to the Black Men Sidebar Podcast. I'm your host, Rashad, um, and thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. In case you want to leave any feedback to the Sidebar Podcast for us to circle back through at a later date, um, we have a Gmail account. It's blackmensidebar at gmail.com. Once again, blackmensidebar at gmail.com is our Gmail account that we take in feedback or suggestions or just generally some some props that you guys may want to give throughout the podcast. Please enjoy and um, let's check out this week's episode. Cool. So, welcome to the Black Man Sidebar Podcast. Um, I got a few close friends as a guest host with me today, and um, they are Kendall and Tiandra Story. Don't let me mess up y'all last name, but uh, y'all want to say something to the people? <laughs> hey, what's happening? Glad to be here. Glad hello, to be here. hello. <laughs> that was the exact response I was expecting from Big Sis Tiandra. <laughs> <laughs> So already hype. Um, so as you guys know, on the Black Men uh, Sidebar Podcast, we talk about faith, family, and the Black male experience, but we can't talk about that without talking about our Black queens that lift up our Black kings. So uh, this podcast episode, we were just going to go through um, what it looks like to code switch. So you guys know I work in IT, and I'm going to give our hosts some time to talk about where they work and just kind of break down for both of us, hey, what is code switching like for us as African Americans? So, Kim and Tiandra, what y'all got? What y'all think? And tell the people about what y'all did. Okay, so uh, again, I'm Kendall Story. So, I am a fifth grade teacher. Um, I teach um, elementary special education um, here in Gwinnett County. And I also am a teacher, <clears throat> and I teach um, 12th grade social studies um, in Gwinnett County as well. Yeah. Cool. And in y'all's opinion, what does it look like for us um, as, you know, Black folks, as African-Americans to, like, what does it look like to be professional, in y'all's opinion? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I thought you were going to leave with the what is post-switching <laughs> question. We're going to go to that one, too. I think about that, so you threw me off, but that's, no, that's cool. <laughs> uh, so to be professional, um, I think, in my opinion, be black and to be a professional. I think you definitely want to be authentic, right? Mm-hmm. But you also want to know your job, um, be a team player, um, and I guess exercise, I guess, professional etiquette as, you know, with within the means of your job, you know, so mm-hmm. whatever that requires, you know, making sure you do that. And, and then also just being, you know, good at your job and loving what you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. What you think, Tiandra? Um, so to be a professional, um, and to be black. So everything comes said. Um, but I think as a black professional, you really have to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just even a matter of just knowing your job, mm-hmm. but knowing your job, knowing someone else's job, and just really being better than your white counterparts, just to be completely honest. Hey, that's what I was looking for, and I'm already excited about where this conversation is going to go. <laughs> but no, nah, I think, even in my opinion, I would agree on both portions. I think there's a level of professionality that's expected from everyone. 
I also think, hey, when being black or African-American or whatever, you know, title we want to call it right now, there is a different standard of professionality when it uh-huh. comes to desiring to move forward, right, or progress in your career. Um, I work in IT, and there's certain ways we look when the client is there, and there's certain ways that we look when the client is where we can switch from, you know, shorts and flip-flops to right. um, jeans not even jeans anymore, but like a blazer and, um, you know, some plaited pants. Um, right. And I think as, you know, our culture, sometimes it's like at the very least, hey, everybody else may be wearing flip-flops and a T-shirt. I'm going to still be wearing, you know, jeans and some tennis shoes, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Why do you guys think that, in a sense, like we do have to code switch or what do you guys, what would y'all define code switching as when it comes to being professional? Um, so, I mean, I think all of that, you know, so based on what we said in uh, earlier, mm-hmm. you know, being professional, having to be better. I think when it comes down to, well, what is code switching? I think there's a professional expectation in most institutions that are predominantly white, uh, mainly because, you know, throughout history, black people were held out of, you know, positions of power mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, you know, we, we, for lack of a better term, haven't had the opportunity to um, make the rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in that regard, you kind of been taught from a kid mm-hmm. to adulthood to, even once you kind of enter the workforce, you kind of realize that um, there's a certain expectation that you have to have, you know, there's a certain level of performance that you have to have in order to coexist with your white counterparts, you know, and you learn that from a long, from an early period, like it, I mean, elementary school where your parents will tell you that your black teachers will tell you that, um, you know, so, and, and what that just means is just that, Whatever, and I think you might have said it, you know, if Johnny is wearing Crocs to work, you know, <laughs> Kendall can't wear Crocs. Yep. You got to wear dress shoes, you know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here's a good example. I remember in elementary school, I used to be like, Ma, Ma why you always put all this Vaseline on me all the time? I'm trying <laughs> to be like, my kids ain't going outside looking any kind of way. And you would be... I mean, and you look at other little black kids, and we even kind of judge them on that sometimes. If they're yeah. not together, mm-hmm. then you wonder what's going on in their home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you don't really think that as much about Johnny if he kind of comes to school a little disheveled. You know what I mean? You know, you don't really have those thoughts as much. Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of it starts from an early age, I think. So I think just, I mean, everything Kimmel said. So just, if I just had to define <clears throat> code switching. Code switching is not being able to authentically be myself mm-hmm. because it may be threatening or seen as ghetto <laughs> or unprofessional. Mm-hmm. So if I just had to define, so because of that, I have to switch and mm-hmm. to make white Americans feel comfortable. Or competent. Right, right, right. Exactly. May, I may not seem as being competent, so I have to switch to make them mm-hmm. feel comfortable um, with having me around and having me in the workplace. 
No, that's real. Yeah. So if I just had to define code switching. Now, mm-hmm. why we have to code switch, I think Kendall just did a good job of just mm-hmm. explaining that. And like the definition kind of speaks for itself. Um, especially me being an African-American woman who is very vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the high pitch voice. I have my, I mean, I have a lot of bass in my voice. <laughs> what? Um, what you mean? <laughs> I am, um, I can be very um, assertive, which mm-hmm. can come off as aggressive. I'm very passionate about everything. If we're talk, debating about Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. and uh, Popeye's, Popeye's chicken sandwich. I'm going to get very passionate that Chick-fil-A is the best thing to ever exist. Mm-hmm. So They are the blessed chicken. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and it's God's um, fast food restaurant. So, anyway, <laughs> but um, the reason that I feel that I have to coach, which is because I do not want to come across as that angry black woman. Right. Um, I want people when they look at me, I want them to hear um, and see the skill set that I have. And Mm -hmm. so if I am just authentically being who I am, meaning the slang that I use, Mm -hmm. being loud about a football game Mm -hmm. um, or anything like that, then it comes off as being aggressive. And I feel like that now I'm not taken seriously. Um, Yeah, they don't take me seriously in my um, in my in my craft, so. I think that's that's valid, and I think too the one thing because like I have a coworker friend, and I'm trying to do better, y'all. So keep me honest, right? Because I be using names sometimes. I'm trying to do better with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coworker friend that um is sometime in that same box, and me and him would consult, and like sometimes I've been a lead on a few of my projects in IT, in which. Uh, I'm like, bro, you have to learn to catch them with more honey than vinegar. Right. But you're saying the same thing, right? But I've noticed, too, that a lot of times it feels as though as a Black culture, we have to do that more yeah. than our counterparts. And some of us just realize that as a thing. Like, there's a few times where I would uh, talk to one of my supervisors, and basically they would owe me some work. And I would phrase it in a way that it was a joke, but it was an honest joke. Right. Like, oh, yeah. What you're trying to say is, like, oh, you this. Yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> and I, I mean, just going back to what Kendall said, like, yeah. we because we weren't in the position for so many years to make the mm-hmm. rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, the rules are just kind of, the rules that were established by white Americans is just kind of what the norm is, right? There is no, when, when they go into an environment, um, there is not a sense of assimilation that they have to do because their entire so, culture, they can see it mm-hmm. in in their workplace. They see it when they go to the grocery store. Like everything about white America is everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But as an African American, everything about my culture is not everywhere. I'm constantly feeling like I have to teach. You know what I mean? And sometimes you're just like, I just don't want to teach. Let me just assimilate. Yeah, and to be completely with you, Rashad, we're talking about the workplace. Yep. It happens in the church as well. Yep. You know? Um, yep. I really do feel like as much as I love my love my church, don't want to go anywhere else and things like that, there <laughs> is a level of still even in that atmosphere, mm-hmm. especially initially, that I felt that I had to coach, which I felt like the mm-hmm. authentic Teandra may be too much. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I would even tell my husband sometimes that that going to our our weekly meetings mm-hmm. um, with um my commu- with my with the group of people that I was in relationship with sometimes it felt draining. 
Yeah. You know, it was like at work, I was at work like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then I would have to go to our weekly meetings with these people that I love dearly and they love yeah. me dearly. Yep. But I would have to go there and be like, oh my gosh. And it's just like, this is just too much. This is just yep. too draining. It was like over eight hours a day, I was not able to be myself. And so, and, <laughs> and not that way. that's what they expected of me, but mm-hmm. that was just kind of that's how what I you felt like I had, had to be them. So, mm-hmm. so, for those, so this is not a visual podcast. So those who don't know, the oh my gosh is the uh, stereotypical like archetype of how we see white people sometimes. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't catch that, that's what really. <laughs> if you didn't catch that, that's what that was. So yeah, so I, I feel like now I am I am learning to because before really being a part of the church that I'm a part mm-hmm. of now, before working where I worked at now, I was always in in my culture. Like I would dip mm-hmm. into white American culture and stuff like that, but I was mainly around black people. Yeah. So for most of my adult life, most of my life, I never felt the need to code switch until mm-hmm. I moved out here in the suburbs. And it was just like, whoa, this is different. And I have to assimilate to this. Because if not, then I'm going to be looked at as the angry black woman. That's it. And I mean, I guess where I struggle too, and I get where you at, Teandra, with it is, even though, and we've already stated it, hey, a lot of the rules weren't made by us. They applied to us, but they weren't made by us, right? Right. Um, Why is it, it almost seems like in multiple platforms that, professionalism and for some of y'all that listen that you know we love y'all don't you know me so don't take my my words to heart but professionalism almost comes across as if you are professional if you look more like the majority culture Mm -hmm. right but my thing is is we even have people now of um, minority cultures in leadership position. Like the CEO of the company I work for is a Hispanic man, right? right. But the thing is, is at what point do, because folks want to say they want to see our full authentic self, but then they see it, whether it's because you done lashed out or because you done got comfortable, it's an immediate like pullback. When do we get to a standpoint that it is, hey, your full authentic self and my full authentic self is accepted if you catch my drift. Man, so I think it just goes back to having more people, you know, like we kind of heard it um, via TV, you know, but I think representation matters. Mm -hmm. I think the more you have, you know, African-Americans, you know, specifically that's what we, you know, we are all three of us talking are, but, you know, African-Americans, you know, his people of color or just, you know, a diverse playing field of people who like represent different cultures and ethnicities in power um, in a position to make rules. I think it, it helps change that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now I, I worked, I did before I was a teacher, I worked in social work and probably the most relaxed environment I was in when I did foster care was working for this private agency that was black owned. Mm-hmm. And Pretty much everyone there was African American. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we had a. There wasn't anybody. It was only black. And uh, but with that being said, now it, it wasn't. So what I was saying is, it wasn't the best company that I worked for, but I was the most relaxed in that environment. Like I felt like in that particular environment, all the relationships that I had with my coworkers were very authentic, um, very strong, at least during work times. Um, and I and I think it it 
it also kind of rejuvenated us every day when you came into work. And that wasn't something that you really had to worry about. Mm-hmm. And so we were all, you know, we knew each other well. You know what I mean? And so we knew how to kind of talk to each other. If somebody was needed to be encouraged or somebody wasn't doing something well, uh, mm-hmm. we knew how to kind of talk to each other. And, and that wasn't a that wasn't a barrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, and I think that just came via working in an environment where those type of things weren't. So I didn't necessarily have to worry about she every now and then she would impose, let's say, um, dress code. And that was mainly because sometimes people, you know, didn't understand. Like I said, there is a level of professionalism. Right. But if there was a casual day and I wore Jordans, nobody was looking at me like, oh, he's got on. You know, it wasn't weird. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, I think I think that's part. I think that's probably the biggest part of it is having mm-hmm. representation. And I think and I think relationships um matter as well. Um just on a day by day. Like I feel like Kendall when he talks about representation, that's like that that bigger picture. But then until we get representation in how do we as African Americans start to feel more comfortable in the workplace. I mm-hmm. think relationships matter. Um I've been at my job for five years basically with the same group of people. Mm-hmm. And I now feel like I can be myself because I've developed relationships with them. Mm-hmm. And now there's not this because when I first got to this environment, I was the first black um, teacher, social studies teacher um, mm-hmm. at my school. And so there was this level of I want to make sure that when I'm teaching about social studies, that everything isn't about slavery or everything. Yeah. Or just, it was just this. I just like I said, I feel like I couldn't really be myself. Yep. But now, as I've developed relationship outside of the workplace with these people and things of that nature, come to find out for a lot of my coworkers, I was I was their first black friend. Mm-hmm. I was their first black um, just experience into black culture, period. Yeah. Um, they never when all of this stuff about like racism um, has been going on and stuff. They've never heard any outside opinion. I'm that mm-hmm. only opposition to what they use. They, they grew up with. Yeah. And so because of that. Um, now I feel like I can be myself. You know, they they know one, they know that I'm competent, they know that mm-hmm. I can do my job, they know I'm great at my job. So now that I've proven that point, now it's like let me show you that I am fully who I am. I am mm-hmm. fully black, I am unapologetically black. But guess mm-hmm. what? I still do my work and I do it well. So those relationships they, don't have to co- they can coexist. Right, exactly, exactly. And so that, that the relationship. And if I am anything else, my um my coworkers will tell me all the time, No Tion, we want you to be you. But I but five years ago, I know they wouldn't have been able to accept it. Mm-hmm. But now because of relationship, they, they they're accepting that more. Yeah, that's one a blessing. Well at the same time, like I get it. Even when we're talking about from the church perspective. Because Kimba and Teandra know me pretty well. Like, I'm a person who gets to the church and, like, I got to find something to do in, like, 10, 15 minutes. I can't just go there and go home. <laughs> but, like, my first experience even coming into, like, the SBC circles, and for folks who don't know, that's the Southern Baptist Convention, which um, our church is under that umbrella, where my last church realized how uncomfortable I was with code switching. Because before coming to a Baptist church, I came out to Pentecostal church. Right, so those are complete opposites always. But it was this thing of me, one, being the youngest person on the staff, being the only black person, 
and then being the only person who's coming from a Pentecostal background to where anything that seemed weird, right, you put it in that umbrella and then also, oh, is this, you know, a, a black culture thing or what? And folks not knowing how to even ask the question and then also not wanting to be so hypersensitive that they don't feel comfortable asking the question to the point mm-hmm. that it really, like, we went out of town to go see a, a friend that was in the Miami area that um, our head pastor knew. And, like, the worship leader's like, yeah, uh, our music is about the same. <laughs> and I literally, y'all, I didn't say nothing. I just was like, I had to literally put my arms up, like, get my body posture right. And... um they all knew because all of them was of the culture. So it was like he finished talking and then they all looked at me and it was like, shot. Is it about the same? And I'm like, uh, mm. he's like, tell the truth. And the head pastor's like, bro, this is a safe space. I'm like, no, it's not the same. So let's just let's just move on. Uh <laughs> cover a whole subject matter, right? But it's just this thing of where now I'm stuck in between two spaces because I attend this church. But this church is probably more like what I grew up in. And this church thinks they're moving and progressing forward and kind of everybody's a little uncomfortable. But it's really more, hey, predominantly SBC type of worship. Like, yeah, it's not the same. But the minute I get in the car, he's like, yo, so I just know you don't like our music. And I'm like, that wasn't even what I said. But being on staff, you want me to be fully authentic. But the minute I said something different, right. now we're low-key beefing, you know? Right. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like that's the spaces we live in, you know what I mean? But I think, I think too, like, I've had a conversation um, a few years ago with a friend. Like, I also don't think people realize that, you know, for, for one, Black people you know, not to get into the weeds, but, you know, like, Black people are, you know, Black is not a ethnicity, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, like, we're better term, Black people, we don't, our culture is is different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so just like yeah, as a teacher where you have ESOL students or students, of, you know, where English is their second language, and they come into an American environment and have to learn practices and norms, right? Like, even though we are in America and we are American, we don't necessarily live in those norms every day, especially if you're in a black environment, you know, where your parents are black, your grandparents are black, your cousins are black and every you really only have to insert yourself into, you know, the broader culture at certain times. And and I don't think like our white counterparts kind of understand that fully, mm-hmm. you know, they, they think like, Hey, you're American. I'm American. What's the difference. Right. Like they don't really see that there is actually cultural norms, the way we speak, the way we talk, the way we address each other. And, and a lot of times we see it on TV as jokes, but it's a reality that like when we go into those, to these different environments, you know, we have to sacrifice some of that, especially if we're going, if we're, if it comes yeah. down to diversity, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you yeah. have to kind of sacrifice those, those norms for, you know, some, you know, people will like to tell us, you know, for the greater good, you know what I mean? Yeah. But. All right. And thank you for listening to part one of our code switching uh, episode with Kendall and Tiandra. I'm going to be dropping part two later on this week. 
possibly early next week. Um, so definitely plug in to Spotify, to Anchor. I think we're on Google Podcasts as well to hear part two because we had it got a little funny as well as we added in a, a little bit more uh, detail just into what it's like to sometimes have the code switch in the interest of the greater good, in the interest of quote unquote being professional. Um, and sometimes that's just a heavy burden for those who are in the culture and in the IT, the school, government, any of those spaces in which professionality looks a different way for us. Um, so once again, if you want to leave some feedback, you can leave it at blackmensidebar at gmail.com. Once again, blackmensidebar at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram page at blackmensidebar. And uh, talk to you soon.